by Jesus. Um, and so we're looking at the power of God to heal and what's going on here and what the Lord might be saying to us uh, from this, uh, this kind of snippet of Luke's gospel. And it follows on the heels of the text that we looked at two Sundays ago at the evening service, which was the miraculous catch of fish and Simon being called to follow Jesus. And there's this interplay in Luke's gospel of um, you get Jesus' ministry, healing, teaching, you know, um, delivering from evil, um, and then gathering people to follow him. And we've seen this already, this kind of cycle. It's happened, Jesus was in the synagogue and, and Simon's home and calls Simon to follow him. Now he goes out again and, and there's two episodes of healing. We looked this morning, uh, the morning service, at um, what comes immediately after this one, which is the, uh, the paralyzed man who's lowered from the roof. Um, and following off the, on that, Levi, it's Matthew gets called to follow Jesus. And this, goes, this kind of goes on and on. And we're going to see that in the weeks and months um, ahead this kind of rhythm in Jesus' uh, ministry. Now, I've got a video clip to play um, from brilliant uh, kind of TV series, kind of streaming series that's completely free called The Chosen. Um, it's a dramatization of the life and ministry of Jesus. And um, it has, there's a little scene um, with um, this particular uh, one from the Gospel today. So let's play the video and watch that now. To spoil this beautiful day or anything, huh? <laughs> Come on. It's a leper. Stay back. Cover your mouth. Don't breathe his air. Don't come any closer. It's okay, John. It's okay. Rabbi, 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 you can handle this disease. You. Please don't turn away from me. I won't. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Only if you want to, I submit to you. My sister, she was a servant at the wedding. She told me what you could do. I know you can heal me if you are willing.
<laughs> I, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. What can I, what can I ever do? No. Do not say anything to anyone. You don't seek your own honor? Please just do me this one thing. But what do I tell people? Go. Show yourself to the priest. Let them inspect you and see that you are cleansed. Make the proper offering in the temple as Moses commanded. And go on your way. Amazing uh, video clip, and I, I find it very moving uh, actually watching that. Um, and you may have found that too. And I think what they've really uh, poignantly and effectively drawn out is some of the seriousness of the position this man was in as someone who was a leper, uh, who was suffering from um, this skin disease. Um, now, when in the Bible, uh, we talk about leprosy, and obviously there's a there is a, an official um, kind of disease called Hansen's disease. Skin disease affects the, the skin and the nerves um, and very debilitating and painful. But when the Bible talks about leprosy, it's actually covering a whole range of skin diseases. Um, and all of them uh, made you unclean. Um, and uh, all of them in this category were very contagious. Um, and so it was, it was a necessity for people to stay away from others. Um, here's what the, uh, the Old Testament law of the Hebrews uh, from Leviticus, Leviticus 13. Um, this is the, its instruction uh, to anyone who's got leprosy, got one of these skin diseases. Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. And uh, that is the kind of law and practice that was operative at this time. And that's why it is such, uh, such a bold move uh, for this man to approach Jesus. Um, in the Old Testament, there's this idea of uncleanness and sin as being a contaminant. You know, if someone who is ritually clean comes into contact with someone or something that's unclean, then you, be you become unclean. And, um, you know, that kind of makes sense to us, doesn't it? If, you, if you're wearing a pair of, you know, brand new trainers, and you go on a walk through a muddy field, they get dirty. That's just what happens when something clean comes into contact with something dirty, right? It doesn't work the other way around. The, the trainers don't make the fields, you know, don't dry up the mud or anything. You get dirty. That's just how it works. Um, and so that's the, the, this is the kind of category that's going on, of course, in, um, in the Old Covenant, the place of, of worship, the place of God's presence was the temple, and absolutely no uncleanness is allowed in the temple. For, for your own sake, you know, to come into God's holy presence unclean is, is, to, uh, you know, is to 
kind of fly close to the sun, you know, look into the sun, look into something that's too powerful um, for you. And yet this man comes to Jesus uh, unclean and, uh, and unwell and is made clean and healed. Um, and this man was an outcast. This meant if you had one of these skin diseases, if you were uh, richly unclean, um, you were an outcast in society. It was cruel, but it was also a necessity in society. And I think having gone through the global pandemic of COVID-19, perhaps we're actually in a position to be fairly familiar with what this sort of practice looks like and feels like, aren't we? You know, this, this man is being treated like someone, the way we might treat someone um, who's got COVID, who's not self-isolating, no face covering or anything. You think, stay back, because I might catch it from you, and then I might pass it on to someone else. And also what's wrapped up in all of this is sin. And ritual uncleanness is associated with sin. So as this man comes to Jesus, there's a, there's a salvation, not just from disease, but from sin as well that's going on. Um, and that connection is, is made uh, even more clear in the next passage on from this one, which is where Jesus forgives and heals the, the paralyzed man in the, in the same breath. Now, I just want to be really clear Illness is never God's punishment for our sin. Um, that's not what the Bible says. That's not what Jesus says. Um, but at the same time, there is this kind of association come, going on here um, in this story. Um, and at the same time, when Jesus heals us, he can heal both our body and our spirit, our heart, our mind, the whole thing. Jesus heals uh, when he reaches out and heals us. So we're going to look at the passage now. There's two kind of applications tonight, and I think it's going to vary depending on where each of us are at. The one is that we receive Jesus' healing, and the other, I want to suggest, is that we go out to heal like Jesus. And for some of us, we might actually just really need to hear that Jesus heals, heals us in body, and in spirit and heart, uh, all those things. Um, and for others of us, perhaps we need to, to hear, to see this, uh, this wonderful initiative of Jesus and follow him in it. So I'd, I'd, what, do you need? what do you need to hear from the Lord today? Um, and hear, please do hear with the ears um, appropriate. So we're going to look at three points um, that we observe in the way that Jesus heals this person um, passion, power, and prayer, okay? Passion, power, and prayer. So first is passion. Uh, Jesus reaches out. Great. Okay, so let's have a look at uh, verses 12 and 13. Do you have a Bible open? Do you have your, hope you've got your Luke um, scripture notebook uh, that, we're, that we're giving out um, to make notes and all of that good stuff. Verse 12, when Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. The Greek is full of leprosy. 
When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. So we see here the passion, the, the compassion of Jesus, the intensity of his love for us, the, the love of God, the Holy Trinity, who reached out in love to his broken world in his Son, sending Jesus the Son into the world to reach out um, to us. I wonder, shall we just pop to the, um, to the slide with the with the um, point on, Martin, is that all right? Maybe just back on, yeah, brilliant, thanks. Um, okay, so in the Old Testament, there are two uh, occasions of leprosy being healed miraculously. Uh, the first is in Numbers 12. Moses prays for the healing of his sister Miriam, who's been struck with leprosy, and she's healed. And in 2 Kings 5, uh, the prophet Elisha directs uh, Naaman, to wash in the Jordan. He washed in the Jordan seven times. Um, here's the key thing. Neither Moses nor Elisha touch the person who's got leprosy. Um, it's done from a distance, and rightly so, because of what we've just looked at, right? To, to go too near, to touch is to become unclean yourself. Jesus doesn't work like that. Jesus reaches out. And in fact, Jesus reverses this clean, unclean dynamic you know, in approaching and touching this man, Jesus should have become infected. He should have become defiled. He should have been made unclean, richly unclean. But instead, his cleanness moves out into the man. The man becomes clean. You know, it's like those kind of trainers again. You know, the, the clean trainers, don't, when, it's like as if going through this muddy field, they don't get muddy at all. In fact, they clean up the field as they go. You know, this is complete opposite to how it's meant to work. Supernatural healing and grace are at work here. And uh, we were singing early, weren't we, of Jesus' blood, the thing that makes us clean. Blood doesn't make things clean. If it gets on your clothes, you know, it's really hard to get the stain out, isn't it? But there's this supernatural, upside-down dynamic of the Lord that by Jesus' blood really messy, <laughs> that we're made clean. That's how it works in God's kingdom. Yet at the same time, it's really, really important that, that Jesus also tells the man to obey the Lord, doesn't he? He says, you know, go and go do the, the sacrifice, present yourself to the priest. All of this, you can read about it in Leviticus. This is what you had to do. Uh, it's a public health measure, if nothing more, uh, to make sure, you know, if you're healed, if you don't have this infectious disease, you know, clear of COVID or whatever, go and make, get it checked out, and, uh, you know, you're free to go. And Jesus doesn't say, no, you don't need to do that. He says, no, go do that, because Jesus isn't usurping the law, but he's fulfilling it. You know, the world was never meant to be separated uh, person to person or person to God. And so Jesus kind of uh, is fulfilling this law and bringing healing. And you know, there's, it's not just physical healing that this man um, is experiencing. Um, I was reading this book. I want to share a quote from um, this book 
The Deeply Formed Life by um, Rich Velodas, who's a pastor in New York City. Uh, brilliant book. Actually, you know, a book about the life following Jesus and mission. And if you're someone perhaps who wants to read a book over Lent, I recommend this very highly. Uh, really good. And this is what he writes um, about Jesus. In demonstrating the power of God through human touch, Jesus was not just healing a body, he was restoring community. You know, the physical healing of this person's leprosy is only the, the start of the, the healing of their life. Um, you know, the, this man's now free to reintegrate into community, to have friends, to see his family, to worship at the temple, worship God, be in his presence. And this is what Jesus offers each of us, no matter what our, ex, uh, what our circumstances are, if we're ill or if we're whole, if we're happy or if we're sad, if we're in community or if we feel isolated. There's an invitation to deep healing and, and to be part of the Christian community uh, of the church. And this is on offer to us today. So if you're feeling isolated or lonely or craving connection, then come and by God's grace, may you find it here uh, in Jesus' name. And those of us who are part of this community of, uh, that Jesus is gathering, may we be used by Jesus to reach out to others, to be his arm, as it were, reaching um, out to others. And we have a great opportunity to practice this tonight, actually. After the service, we're going to have pancakes, have, have community time together. Do stay and join us for that, and let's be family together. Uh, we had a, um, a picture, kind of a word at the beginning of our service as we were praying before the service. Uh, the, the words that God spoke to Moses, what is in your hand? Um, this is as Moses being called uh, to go to Egypt, and you know, the staff is in Moses' hands. He says, a staff, and God uses it to be this, this amazing sign of his power. And so I wonder, what is in your hand? What's in our hand uh, that Jesus might want us to use to extend a welcome and healing community to others? Okay, so we've looked at passion. Second is power. Jesus is willing. Let's just look at verses 12 and 13 again. It says, when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. So we see the, as well as the passion, the compassion of Jesus, we see uh, his power as well. His ability to heal is not in question. Um, here, the man comes to Jesus and says, you just have to be willing, Lord. I know you can do it. It's not if you can heal me and if you're willing, then you'll make me clean. No, it's if you're willing. If you say the word, Lord, I'll be healed. I wonder, here's a question. How willing are we to be healed, to be restored, to be forgiven? You know, this, this leprous man, he begged Jesus, his welfare depended on it, and Jesus is willing. Uh, it's not dependent on our righteousness or how long we've been a Christian or whether we're keeping up with the Bible in a year app. 
And God does heal today. Thank you, Rani, for sharing that testimony of, of your cousin being saved from, uh, from death. God does heal. Um, and there are many more testimonies that we'll have, um, even here, even in this room tonight. God does heal today, but he's also, and perhaps even more concerned uh, with our souls, you know, to cleanse us from sin, to form his image in our lives. Our sins can be like, kind of like having COVID, you know, separated, isolated from God and from others. But Jesus is always willing to heal and restore us. No PPE necessary for Jesus Christ. And, you know, many of us will be living with physical brokenness in some way, um, often invisible uh, to others, unless we've shared it. And, you know, there, there are no easy answers as to uh, why some experience God's healing and others don't. Um, but if this passage tells us anything, it's that God does draw near to us and, and God is willing for our healing, um, not just in body, but also um, particularly in our spirits, and holistic healing in the whole thing. And, and God does heal today. We, we passionately believe that here at St. Paul's, and we would love to pray with you um, after the service, or you can, if you want to uh, get in touch uh, with one of the team, you can do that. We'd love to, to pray with you and stand with you um, in that. So Jesus has power, he's willing. And thirdly, is prayer. Uh, Jesus withdraws. So the end of our passage, once the healing's taken place, it says, then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Having reached out and moved in to heal this person, uh, Jesus then withdraws to pray. Why? It seems odd. It's... it's it seems like, you know, once you're onto something good, often we think, let's do some more, you know? Um, how can we scale this up? <laughs> if, we're, if we see something that's really fruitful in God's kingdom, maybe personal evangelism, um, or just seeing the Lord meeting people, we might think, we're onto something good here, let's do more. Or, you know, maybe I should write a book about it and share my tips and my wisdom with others. But Jesus withdraws to pray. You know, no sooner has the healing and the restoration happened, he's kind of fading off into the background. It says that Jesus withdrew to lonely places. The Greek here is eremois. Uh, it means wildernesses, uh, uninhabited places, barren places, unproductive places, places no one had any reason to go. And actually, much of the land in Judea, it's in the Middle East, is like this. It's stony, it's dry, it's desert. Um, uh, when I 
had, had the opportunity, the privilege to visit the Holy Land a number of years ago. We went in July. It's like the hottest time of year there. It was my first time seeing real, like, desert, actual desert, and it's so dry and hot, nothing lives there. And, and you have down the, in the south the Dead Sea, you know, this salt, really salty sea, nothing lives in there. Um, and where there are little streams or springs, that kind of the greenery just shoots up around them, but get, you know, get a, a number of meters away and it's down, back to being dry sand, um, a desolate place. And Luke has a fascination with the wilderness. It's the place of prayer, it's the place without earthly activity, a place that's not productive in the, in the human sense of the world, word. Um, it's a place of prayer. Jesus in Luke's gospel is shown more than in any of the others as retreating often um, to go and pray. It's also a place of ministry. It's the setting where the feeding of the 5,000 happens. Uh, you know, Luke 9, 12, the, the disciples say to Jesus, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in an eremos. We're in a remote place, a wilderness, barren place here. It's also a place of preparation in Luke. Think about John the Baptist. Um, Luke 1, verse 80. The child, that's John, grew, grew and became strong in the spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. Since that John the Baptist, with his prophetic ministry, he lived in the wilderness. He was being prepared in this place where no one went because no one had any reason to. And, you know, we're coming up to Lent, and I wonder, perhaps this Lent, it's time for us to spend some time in the prayerful wilderness. You know, perhaps recognizing and stepping back from those things which rob us of the ability to withdraw and to pray. You know, um, our world doesn't understand or reckon this sort of thing, prayer or um, yeah, fasting as anything which is productive or helpful, unless perhaps for your diet. You know, our culture would have us streamline and occupy every waking moment. You know, we have the power with the smartphone to try and shape the world in our image through our prowess and through our technology. And yet, Jesus goes to the wilderness. Uh, at St. Paul's, we've got a monthly prayer and worship evening called The Source, where we, come, we, we gather the source of all things, who is Jesus, the source of life. I'd like to, to invite you, come and join us to pray. Come, come to the wilderness uh, to pray, perhaps especially this Lent. Or we have the well here in Leamington. We have a Christian healing center where they have a, a ministry of healing and, pra and prayer and a place to go and retreat. I want to have a look at it, go and um, Use, make use of this amazing resource that we're so blessed to have, very rare to have, and we've got it here in Leamington Spa. Um, and Jonathan talked earlier about, he's written this really helpful booklet about daily prayer, Bible reading, devotional time. Perhaps let's retreat to the wilderness each day, each morning, um, and prepare ourselves for, uh, for all that's going on in our lives. And of course, from the wilderness, Jesus 
re-engages, doesn't he? It's not out into the wilderness forever. It's there to pray, to be with his father. And then he comes out, he retreats to advance, to reach out once again with the passion and the power uh, to heal and to help those in need. Okay, so what happened next? What happened to this man? Um, as with so many people we meet in the Gospels, we just don't know. Presumably, he did go to the priest, and he was given his, his uh, official, you know, his COVID passport. You know, he was released. And presumably, he became an agent of God's healing to others. And I like to believe he followed Jesus. We don't know. But he's been, his life has been so transformed by the Son of God. Um, I, uh, yeah, we don't know. Um, I, I want to finish um, just by putting a final slide up. And you might recognize this photograph. This um, was a, a photo back in 2013. It was a few months into Pope Francis having become the Pope. And um, this, this picture captured the imagination, captured the press, it was all over, um, of the world. Uh, it's the Pope blessing and kissing a man who is suffering from a disease called neurofibromatosis. It's really debilitating skin disease, kind of, I suppose, a modern-day leper. Um, and uh, the Guardian newspaper, not usually a friend of the church uh, or of Christianity, uh, wrote this amazing article, um, and here's just a little quote from it. Is this a publicity stunt? No, because it expresses more than an empty gesture ever could. Charity and humility and love really are Christian ideals, and for someone in the Pope's position of power, to so graphically express them is full of concrete meaning. Amen and amen to that. And in the article particularly, there was a contrast to you know, our, our, you know, the, mo the modern day politicians whose hair, there's not a hair out of place and whose photo opportunities are carefully curated and whose um, sound bites are just enough to you know, catch on Twitter. Um, and yet this, totally unrehearsed um, moment is captured. So how about for you and for me? You know, who are the outcasts in our spheres who Jesus is calling us to be his extended hand to? And you know, each of us is an outcast in some way from the Lord. And there's this invitation to come and to be embraced by him, to be touched by him, you know, to, for him to, to break the, any kind of taboo, to forgive us and to restore us. Why don't we pray? Can I invite you to stand and can I invite the band to come back up? Let's just have, yeah, take just a moment now to receive from the Lord, to, to hear from him. 
whichever uh, kind of way the Lord is particularly speaking to you, if it's about personal healing and restoration and forgiveness, or if it's about being sent out um, to others. Um, So I pray, Father, would you send your Holy Spirit amongst us? Come, Holy Spirit, and uh, just make real to us what we've seen in your word tonight. Lord, if there's any, if, if we've kind of given up on, uh, on seeking you for healing, or for forgiveness, if we're putting up with sin in our lives, pray, Lord, that we would know your advance, your initiative towards us. Those of us who who do suffer and and are longing for your physical healing, Lord, thank you that you draw near to us. Thank you that that your son on the cross knows what it is to to go through physical um, agony and suffering. Thank you that you know what it's like, Lord, and thank you that you are willing And Lord, I pray you'd consecrate us as we come to this season of Lent, as we look forward to Easter on the horizon. Pray you'd consecrate us for mission, for community, for healing, and for the wilderness, Lord, those of us who you're really calling to, to take a stand in the wilderness in this season. Um, Help us and direct us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray and trust. Amen. Amen. Well,